Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Vicky Fleetwood, and you're listening to the All Over Rugby podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the All Over podcast. The only rugby podcast gives you news, news, and opinion on a semi-infrequent basis all with the West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mall Over Podcast. Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our podcasts. Don't know what happened there. On the Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back. We didn't quite get back last week after the French debacle for a number of reasons. Uh, but we'll chat about it tonight, and we'll also chat about England's Six Nations performance in general. I am joined, as you've already heard, the dulcet tones of of everyone's favourite uh, behind-the-camera operator, Dougie Andrews. Welcome, Lensman. Hi. I'm also joined by the nicest man in Cornish Rugby podcast, Ben Eustace. Hi, also, ben. hi. Uh, I got. I've got a feeling already that this is going to be. Well, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be interesting. Doug has got a very. For for those of you um, not able to watch, I which don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be interesting. Uh, well, it could be interesting. It'd be interesting for us anyway. Um, we are going to give our opinions on on England's Six Nations uh, performance and performances. Um, for a brief half an hour stint. So if you're listening in for any real chat about France or Ireland or Wales or Scotland or Italy, then you've come to the wrong place. Um, Other than maybe uh, slagging off the Irish of how fucking sanctimonious they are about everything. Um, Ben, first of all, uh, how do you rate England's performance on Saturday as a whole against Ireland? <clears throat> well, I think it was definitely their best performance of the tournament. Um, I think, although they beat Wales, a few of us said at the time it was a bit like a Division 2 game, and France definitely proved that 
like punching us into next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the performance against Ireland, they're on a bit of a hide into nothing, um, put in a decent shift first half, then got completely shafted and put an even probably an even better shift in for about 20 minutes of the second half, which is kind of what happened last time. Um, and it's to, to, to be clear, not Ireland's fault that England players keep get sent off sent off against them. Um, it's not really England's fault either. Um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, I, my brother said to me, he said, you know, it's almost the best thing that could happen for Borthwick because he's he's got a really good first half performance, and now the, any, anything that happens in the second half is a bonus. But I don't know. It's just difficult, isn't it? Ireland never won a Grand Slam at home. So does, you know, if it's still one or four points difference with 10 minutes to go, does does it change the game a, a lot? Um, but going back to your original question, I don't think it changes England's Six Nations that much. They've had one good performance at the end. Well, that's what Italy did last year. They had one good performance at the end and snuck a win at the end, but they've still lost every game this time out. Even though they have, you know, vastly improved, they, you know, they've been a little bit unlucky a couple of times. But, um, you know, that that victory was a maybe may a little bit of a false dawn, and we're going to have to see if that's the case with England. If if the team that came came out on Saturday comes out, then we've got a chance. If the team that came out the week before comes out, then we'll probably get battered by. Is it Chile? We got in our group. Is it Chile? Is they, they the the five filled the final place? I think it might be Chile. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, Doug, how much uh, how much do you think the Saturday's performance is down to selection uh, versus sort of bounce back following that humbling at the at the hands of the French the week before? Um, I I don't, I don't think. I don't think much of it's to do with selection. I think you've got a team. One of it, one of the main reasons I think performances, the relative performances, is that you've got one team that haven't lost in forever, riding high at home against a team who are down on their luck and can't buy a good performance. Um, I'm not convinced the Ireland players are massively better than the English players. I think they're probably a little bit better coached and have been for the Ireland players, that is, have been better coached for a significant period of time. They're more familiar with their system. They seem to actually have a game plan that I'm still yet to uh, find anyone that could tell me what Eddie, Eddie Jones's actual game plan was other than kick the straps off the thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. Can you, can you honestly tell me that Matt Hansen's a better winger than... Than any of our wingers, I mean, he's certainly a little fucking weasel. Yeah, um, I think they have, they they had the advantage in the front row, probably, but the scrums weren't a big problem for England. I, for me, it just comes down to England aren't playing well and haven't played off two or three years and have been a bit rudderless and directionless and and and. Um, moribund. <laughs> An island have been building and building and building, and and they just they they won their World Cup final, beating England at home in the for a Grand Slam. And um, 
ready for a quarterfinal World Cup. Ready for a quarterfinal exit well, in the World Cup. Yeah. The the thing with Ireland is they don't have it. They don't have any doubts at the key positions. Whereas the key positions is where England have got all their doubts. Yeah. So and look, got... they're going to have to enjoy it while it lasts. Because yeah. after this World Cup, they're going to they're going to be decimated, and and they haven't got a ten that's anywhere near. Yeah. You mean might be you, well. It's interesting you say that, isn't it? Because four or five years ago, Sexton was all, all but on the scrap heap, but they had absolutely no one to to take over from him. So he's my, he's a bit like the Alan Wynne Jones of of tens. Yeah, he's yeah. He's and people like, still keep buying that wrap around. And... Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, right? Like he 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 leads that that side well, that back division well. He does his job exceptionally. He's an horrible cunt, though, isn't he? He is a horrible cunt. But if if Ireland had found another 10 in the last 10 years, he wouldn't be playing for Ireland now. Like uh, he People went keep from saying, a... oh, Ross Byrne, Ross Byrne, and there's a lad in the under-20s, like... Please, there, there's always a lad in the under twenties. They've all they've Rep all come country. and went though, haven't they? Carberry and Byrne, yeah. and you know they've yeah. all been hanging around a little while. But, yeah. but he's, he's, um, he's better than all of them, isn't he? That's, that's the other that's one. The um, Billy, Even now, he's better than them. Billy, what's his face? Billy Burns. Yeah, but but the the point being that they were calling for Sexton's head. I think it was approximately five years ago when Ireland, it. When, Ireland <laughs> when Ireland were were on a real struggle when they couldn't sort of buy a win when they were in the position England were in now, and um, they didn't have anybody, so they they had to, they had to stick with it. But, and, and the continuity of all that, they you know the the majority of that less Leinster team, the the continuity of selection they've they've got a back row that all but picks itself now. They've got. The the second row they've got three very good locks in um, uh, or four if you count um, Ty Byrne as well with Henderson and Ryan and the lad that played on Saturday whose name escapes me Bad Bad you know the front row you know they're still they were still trotting out the the husk of Key and Healy until recently and he probably would have been, been playing this tournament had he not been injured but you know but like. Long- if you think about it, Russ, they've got like Furlong. Well, if he's fit, he he walks to the side. No, there's no doubt about that. Well, we've we've got a prop in the same position that walks into the side, but only because there's literally no alternative. Um, you've got Doris at number eight, who, like you say, is the automatic selection. Who's our best number eight? He's not eligible because he plays in France. We haven't sorted our scrum up. Well, that remains we haven't... to be seen. That re- that remains to be seen whether he is actually our best eight. Well, we well, we can I'm, we can come we can come it. to that we can come, <laughs> until, we can come we can come to that in a bit because we can look until he's that. until he's done it. He's not an option, is he? So we don't need to have that discussion. No. But we haven't we haven't got a number eight at the moment because Don Brandt's not really set the world on fire. We don't want Billy back. Listen, I I just think very quick to write these players off and. And you can't ignore what they're doing at club level, right? And be the premiership, be what it may, they're doing it at club level. And that is the only option you've got for selecting players. Yes. You can't, like, I don't understand, like, what are we meant to do? If there, if there is a better performing number eight in the premiership than Alex Dombrand, then he'd be being picked, right? Uh, yes, but... Uh, 
England as a general rule and has been proven. Let's not forget, he was getting pissed in the union three years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and he he got absolute pelters for that, um, you know, that final try against France where Penno just kind of burnt, absolutely gassed him and he couldn't, like, expecting him to be prime Johnny May after 70 years. I know, I mean, Damon, just ridiculous. Penno, one of the best wingers in the, is he a winger? He is a winger, isn't he? Yeah. Like, gassing our number eight. Well, you're telling me he wouldn't have gassed Billy? (laughs) <laughs> Mate, you're telling me you wouldn't have gassed Max Malins or yeah, you know it's just like the 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 standards to which our players are being held at the moment is is staggering. Like but by no means am I saying um that these players are good enough to win a World Cup because they're demonstrably not. What what I'm saying is like they're the best we've got, and a lot of them are just starting out, and Don Brandt international number eights have to learn their trade. And I, I think that step up, if you just discard someone after three or four games, you're going to end up with a scrap heap full of players who were never really given a, given a good go of it. It's how it NFL sounds like any, sounds, sounds like NFL any quarterbacks get 16 games. And if you don't perform in your first year out of university, you're fucked off. And I think we're getting that way with England rugby players. Um, we, we seem to have written Marcus Smith off now. I, I just don't understand that. Yeah. You know, everyone's clamoring for George Ford to come back and he's proven time again that he's not the answer. So I, I don't understand what we're meant to do with these, these people. You could argue that the EQP or the, the, the uh, elite performance squad is, has hamstrung Steve Borthwick in this particular cycle. I'm not sure there's any way on this earth that Dan Cole would be picked had that not have been a thing. Um, and there's probably many other players that would be in the side but for but for that situation. So, you know, let's not forget as well, Ireland, state-sponsored rugby, they can pretty much do whatever they want. I don't particularly understand why that Leinster have got 30 international players and there's three other provinces who are struggling to get past the knockout round one in, in Europe. That doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense. Maybe it's a Dublin bias, but um, yeah, I mean, to, to I've, I've sort of wanked on a little bit, but to, to answer your original point, Russ, I don't think it was a selection thing. I, I think it's... Um, we put out probably the best 15 we could um, and it wasn't good enough. Yeah. So, I mean, on, on Saturday, the one thing that was noticeable was how much better England, England's pack was able to compete. Jack Willis against France was, you know, notable by his absence really as England got pulverized by the French forwards. They they had to for two reasons, Russ. One was they got pulverised and made to look a little bit silly. So they had to react to that. And also Scotland had shown you could disrupt Ireland at least to a, a, an extent by just making the breakdown a, a mess. Um, you know, Scotland were really successful at that. It was like the Wild West, wasn't it, that game at the breakdown. Yeah. And, you know, England were trying to do that. And it, that was, you know, for all, Willis has scored two tries against Italy a couple of times. That was his best game in an England shirt oh, by a long way. 
by a mile. But then now we're looking at the fact that that was probably his last game for England until such time he decides to come back from France. Um, Now, not just him. I think he gets um, dispensation, doesn't he? Because he left because Wasps. I don't think him being in France is a problem because it was not a financially motivated choice, was it? I, I don't think he does because he's decided to stay. Right. Because he... Ah. Well, look, I, I think that could also be telling that players are deciding to stay in France rather than... It must be a shit play. It must it must have been a really shit environment under Eddie Jones where a lot of these players have just gone, yeah, I can't do another cycle with that fucking Muppet. Yeah. And you've only just got to look at the amount of players that are taking sort of French, the, the French money um, over the next, over the next few years to see that there, there is a real issue that England, England are going to have. And we, you know, pulling out the, the aging bodies of Mako Vinopola and Dan Cole, um, it looks like Courtney Laws too, is off to too, too long. Have there ever been two less dynamic players on a rugby field at international level than I mean, Dan Cole, Mako Vinopola? I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue that when Julian White played, he was probably less um, dynamic or Trevor Woodman wasn't the most dynamic. <clears throat> the, the I think the the main thing for me is... All the best teams, all the best, all the the winners, the the teams that are the most successful, and you can obviously count England's two thousand and three side in this. You can count the All Blacks in this. You can count uh, South Africa, and over the last few years in this, is that each player and each team they've they've got a particular style that they don't deviate from where everyone's got their own clearly defined role. And I think England's main problem at the moment is they do not have any sort of defined style with any sort of defined roles. They keep, you know, they've not set up, you know, we're six months, eight months out from a World Cup. We don't know who's going to be playing 10 because nobody's made their mind up. Borthwick's had five matches. We don't know who's going to be playing in the centre. We don't know who's going to be playing on the wing. We don't know who's going to be playing in the back row. I think the probably the only thing for certain is that the front row is likely to be Sinclair, George and Genge to start. It's probably the only place you can say, you know, they're guaranteed guaranteed starters. So how how are you supposed to build maybe the row maybe the row, to, I suppose. What with a Toji? I mean I'll Chess of Mifit. Well, I I would argue, and and I've I've quite liked Ollie Chesham, and I think he offers um, a bit of dynamism, and he is learning, and he is young. But for me, I felt that Dave Ribbons made a huge difference on Saturday, just physically, just just that sheer physicality, sheer physicality. I think that what we what we miss is and we what we've discussed. Um, privately, is England lack horrible bastards 
they lack that little bit of nastiness and that little bit of bite. And I think that someone like Dave Ribbons offers that. I think he offers that element of physicality and that bit of bite. Um, I think Lewis Ludlam offers the same. I'm, I've been really impressed with with Ludlam this tournament. I think that for a you know a six stroke eight, I w- I wouldn't be adverse to seeing him play eight as we've talked about him getting the the hard yards in the carry. You know those two or three yards where where Don Brandt sometimes doesn't get that leg drive going. Um, but other than that. You know, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to see. You know, Van Poorfleet keeps getting the nod. Um, at nine, so it looks like he's going to be the the one to beat for that for that channel. Mitchell didn't get a start in the tournament. Um, you know, who else? Who else is nailed on other than maybe Stewart? I think. Yeah, I think you could probably argue Stewart and Watson are nailed on. But I, I take your point. I thought Watson was really good on Saturday. Um, I think England have looked so much better with Mitchell. Just is that? Gets, but, he, I just think he's a better better rugby player than Van Portfleet. I think every time I've seen Van Portfleet, you can almost see Ben Young's influence. Yeah. <laughs> like it, 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 it's right there, isn't it? It's like it's not with Mitchell. It's the decisions made before he gets to the ruck with Van Portfleet is like he makes a decision yeah. once he's there. It it it's it, they I I know like you know timing and 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 the way the game is is probably affects it, but it looked like Mitchell was getting the ball off the floor so much quicker and then and and just it makes so much to a difference to a team is if the scrum half is going to pass if he picks it up and passes it rather than thinks about it. Which is, I appreciate, is exactly what Doug just said. But um, <laughs> you know, but, but surely, if the team looked better every time you bring your sub on, you ought to give him a try. Um, and you know, Van Portfleet did su- did su- did do some decent stuff, um, but it was mostly defensive as much as anything, um, because he's in he's really in the team for his running threat, I would imagine, which didn't really happen at all so um yeah where's the plan there as well i i think i i said when borthwick uh took over that initially we'd see a, a great deal of favoritism towards leicester players and i think we've seen that I, i'm not sure i've bought the chesham hype so far and portfleet yeah. Um Dan Cole still getting picked despite everything. Um Freddie Stewart's probably the one that I wouldn't change. But um Yeah, it, it, I th- I don't think you you should expect anything less really because he had to go into the Six Nations with a squad that you know if he was going to make any changes is he had to know the players very well so that they didn't have to adapt to his system. He could the, the system was already in place for them. Um and maybe that's maybe that's a problem, you know. Uh I I I I wouldn't say I'm worried about the World Cup because we're not gonna win it. I just hope we get out of the group because that's the bigger issue at the moment. I'm not convinced we're gonna get out of the group. 
I don't know what what's happened during the course of this Six Nations that makes I don't feel like we've come anywhere near <clears throat> working out who we are as a team, what we're doing, where we're going. You need to unmute your mic, you pleb. Dead air is a crime. Dead air is a... Well, you could fill it. Um, <laughs> with your massive mouth. Um, I I would argue that England haven't had that level of identity or any sort of identity really, you know, post-2003. Like yeah, we've tried so to emulate two thousand and three on several occasions, just without the the players. If you think we we went from two thousand and three to the two thousand and seven uh, World Cup, where we was that Jack Rowell? Did Jack Rowell come back in for that? And we no, Brian Ashton. Brian, Brian Ashton. That's it. Brian Ashton. And we and we limped our way to a World Cup final that arguably we could have won. We we then went to 2011. Yeah, got pumped. Got pumped. 2015 managed to get to a. Um, what happened in 2015? Was that semi? No, we lost in the group in 15. Yes, 15 was Robshaw, wasn't it? So again, that was yeah. Lancaster. Then 19, where we we looked something like it, but again, we we played some different. Different, you know that that one performance against New Zealand, which became almost sort of yeah. era defining under Eddie Jones. But as a as a team, you know, so you know the All Blacks are going to run. You know, you know that they're going to produce exciting players. You know that um, South Africa are just going to try and beat you up and beast you up front. And and they've they've happened upon some very good backs that have that have complemented that. England haven't had any sort of cohesive plan for ages. So is it time to just create one and go, right, this is how we're going to play rugby. I don't care whether you like it or not, but these, this is how we're going to play. And we're going to pick players according to what suits that style the best. Not just because they're playing in the premiership as the, you know, for Harlequins. Yeah. If you're going to play the Harlequins way, right. So to use that analogy, you've got Smith, you've got a Don Brand at eight, you've got a massive cunt at 12 and you play the way that Harlequins want to style play. Cause that's the way that Marcus Smith is, is and has been thriving. It also gets the best out of Alex Dombran. If you want to play the way that Leicester play and the way that way they won the, the premiership with box or the way that Saracens did it with box kicking and just strangling opposition to death and wearing them into the ground. Fine. Don't care what it is, as long as it becomes something. So I think this is 2011 coming home to roost, personally. I think 2007 was the sort of last World Cup in the era of the sort of crossover players, the amateur professional crossover, right? So in that 2011 World Cup, we New Zealand won, right? So they won with players like um, Richie McCaw, uh, Dan Carter, um, I want yeah, to say Nonu, Cole. Comrade Smith. 
Yeah, um, but, but, but what what we strive for, Mialamu, we need to play rugby like the southern hemisphere. So we need to have forwards that can run like backs. We need to have backs that can hit like forwards. We just need these identical players that we're just going to shit out of academies and they're going to dominate the world. What's happened is everyone else has done that and our players just aren't quite good enough to cut it. So we've basically got these cookie cutter players who've got, we're shitting out props who've got great hands and can play as a pivot, but we haven't got anyone that just bends up, bends over and fucking pushes. You know what I mean? And, and if you look through the under the age groups that are coming through, there's none there either. There's no just big fucking bastards that bend over and push. Yeah. Even Aaron Painter plays as a pivot when he played for Saints before he moved to Exeter. Do you know what I mean? He was his highlights are chip and chases and and all that shit. Just bend over and push, Aaron. You weigh thirty stone. Yeah. You just yeah. get really good at pushing. I don't need you to do the hand stuff. Yeah. So we've we've created these players where skills are more important than functional ability. Functional ability for props. Second rows, jumping and being a shitbag. Back rows, we're doing all right for back rows because actually every back row we've got should really be either a centre or a prop. They've either got, they've either slimmed down to play as a seven or, a, or an eight, or they've got bigger. They've slimmed down from prop to play back row, or they've got bigger from centre, centres and wingers to play back row they've done one or the other there's no just out and out class you know where, where are our centers there are no centers because they either get converted to forwards yeah they, they're all playing <laughs> they're all playing at seven all of our 12s yeah. all of our 12s are playing at six or seven yeah all, all of the ones that showed any aptitude for carrying the ball i think have been have been, have been inadvertently pushed in towards the back row. You can't tell me that players like Gabriel Ogre, Bar Barbary, um shit, who's the guy that the Saints picked up from Exeter? The the oh. oh god, yeah. I can't remember his name. Aaron you know, I mean, Aaron, like, he was a great under Aaron, Aaron Aaron Hinkley. Hinkley. That man's a centre. Play him at centre and it it just you want someone to play next to Smith who's built like a brick shithouse and can carry, there's probably 20 of them playing in the back row. Yeah. Because we moved from centre to forward. It's, it's just like... Or, or they put them on the wing. Probably, probably because they're not skillful enough in the coach's eyes ben, to play as a centre. Ben. They don't have hands or they don't have the, you know, reading of the game because then they're not these all-seeing fucking mystical centres that can like... Ben, Ben's hit, hit the nail on the head. Whatever, Ben's you know? hit, they, everyone was searching for this big cunt to play on the wing to be like the next Jonah Lomu to be, you know, oh, the big winger is where it's at. Um, Actually, imagine playing that guy at 12. I don't want you to do anything. Yeah. I, I want you, I want you I to mean, carry the ball straight. Look, J JB says it a lot about props, right? If you're a prop, you should be able to play loose head, tight head. If I was any one of these fringe back row players, I'd be, I'd be fucking banging the coach's door down, playing, Play me at twelve because there's a fucking gaping window for a twelve. Because because you know what, many spots for a seven or a six. Speak speaking of somebody who's played twelve a fair amount at a very shit level, right? You don't have to run too many different lines as a twelve. 
your best option as a 12 is always, always, always running straight. All of the other shit goes on around you, right? You're the person that's there to fix the man, maybe fix two. If you can fix two by one hard carry line, that creates space elsewhere, right? Whether you get the ball or not is fucking irrelevant. You don't have to. You don't have to be a gliding, like you know, Marnonu in out look, around like, the back with like with. It's, it's um, what people offloads. wanted from twelves in the yeah. early two thousands. They wanted that second playmaker at twelve. Yeah, we 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 touched on this briefly, didn't we? When when we were talking about Ford, Farrell, Slade, and Daly all being in the same back line, and and as as Russ just said, they want to push these big straight carry 12s you know in our day they would have been put in at 12 but now they're on the wing like if you think about what's the perfect tet 12 would be i don't know let's say a six foot two pretty big son of a world mate. cup winning fly half but liners playing on the wing yeah. so did mate, they think of trying him at 12 i don't know the, 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 the epitome of an incredible why do you think damien dialende is so fucking good at being a 12 other than it's the fact massive. that he's six foot four and <laughs> probably twenty stone, right? He's he would have played there his entire life. <laughs> he, he yeah, but he he's played there his entire life. But also he de- he developed those the skills, the offload skills, the other the ability to pass and all that sort of stuff. The first thing I bet he was good at is being a massive cunt that could run straight. <laughs> I bet that was his fir- that was his first attribute. I bet he was bigger than everyone else and went you. Get there. We're going to give you the ball, and you run straight, and you're going to run yeah. fast. Yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't uh, working on his distribution skills, was he? At uh, age group rugby? No, no, he wasn't. No, he was working on being a fucking juggernaut. Let me tell you, if he came through the England system, he'd be a seven. Yeah, I, I don't I don't doubt it. I I, I absolutely don't doubt it. So, you know, like like Doug says, I think if anyone's listening to this and and you you're thinking you might not get a game at 6 or 7 at your club or, or internationally, get <laughs> get get yourself into your coach's office. Say you want to play 12 and just say, "Look, I can catch and I can run straight and hard." And let's see what happens. I remember when rugby only needed one playmaker and he he wore nine, he wore 10 and sometimes yeah. you play off 9. Yeah. It was a simple it was a simpler time. Mm. Um we we haven't got long left of of the season the season's podcast. Not enough has been made um of the performance of a certain uh Mr. Piper at the weekend. Um <laughs> if anything just to get the use of Jackie Piper's sex whistle back out there. And you know if if <laughs> But if you could ever find it, the episode of, of Jacko Piper's Sex Whistle is one of the funniest things that we've ever created. Um, but he... He was as, fucking shit, right? As bad, as, so as bad a referee performance as I've ever seen. Um, you you just sport. know, before when you see him before the game, he's going he's gonna to break the game up anyway. So even if he doesn't do a ludicrous sending off, it's going to make the game worse. Um. I'm yeah, I'm not seeing just... I'm not seeing any mitigation. I'm not seeing it, Mrs. I am um, 
other than the fact that the ball was bobbling around and Hugo Keenan was coming from a half-bent position (laughs) and Freddie Stewart was trying to get out of the way and Keenan literally ran into his arm that was flat by his side at lower than than chest height. It was the most ludicrous position. Even even concussion Twitter wasn't interested in was it it was like it was it, it's only welsh scots and irish that want a red card there which just shows that they're just using it as an excuse to you know no, notice mean, how he, he went down clutching his face as well like an absolute yeah funny. I, I can't i can't remember which page it was they made a really interesting point which was if you red card for that offense you you actually set a really bad precedent because if if you've got two options which Stewart would have had was keep he, going, get sent off and hurt the guy, yeah. or keep going, get sent off and don't hurt the guy. Then the option most rugby players will take is I might as well take him with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was getting sent in that in that situation. He was getting sent off. Whatever decision, well, whatever decision he made, apparently. And you should there should never be a, a, there should never be any situation in a rugby match where. You're put in a position where whatever you do, you're going to get sent off. Yeah, that agree. It's just agree. A nonsense. It's absolute fucking nonsense. So there you go. Um, it'll be interesting to see where England go from here. Very, very quickly. Um, when we get to the summer, Ben, how do you see things panning out for England and, and Borthwick ahead of the World Cup? I mean. He's got a few, well, you know, he's got a lot of decisions to make. He's got to make a decision at 8, 9, 10, 13, basically. Um, if him and Simfield can get together, I mean, the defence really improved. I mean, the one thing that disappointed me a bit was the Irish sort of telegraph that they were using that inside ball um, that, that their first try came from. I mean, they tried that about four times and we managed to stop it and, and we finally fell for it. But I think the defence got a lot better out through the tournament. Um, so I've got no hope we're going to win the tournament, but, you know, I think we should improve. Good. Doug, any last thoughts from you? on? Uh, uh, on it's going to go badly, mate. Badly. Badly. But, well, let's see. Um, that That's that. We may be back. I mean, it's unlikely we're going to talk about Premiership Rugby, but uh, we'll be back at some point in the near future. And uh, we'll speak to you all very soon. Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.